Welcome to Everything Leftover, our podcast on HBO's The Leftovers. My name is Justin Blizzard. I'm Keith Krepko. And we're going to talk about episode seven, seven of season two of The Leftovers called A Most Powerful Adversary. Uh-oh. And before we actually get into it, I wanted to address something quickly. You've brought your A-game tonight. I like it. Uh, so... Last week we were in, I edited the show in the cabin while we were on vacation. Mm -hmm. So I didn't have time to actually listen to it while I was editing. Mm -hmm. I just put the music in, exported, published it. Done. Warts and all. And so when we were driving to the cavern that we went to go uh, spelunk. Explore, yeah. (laughs) I, I was listening to it with my wife and... Not even 10 minutes into the episode, she called me a baby. And I wanted to say that I sound like a baby because I am a big 33-year-old baby whining and crying about this show that has been, you know, more or less feeding me vegetables for six episodes. Mm -hmm. And I wanted something else. You wanted something substantial. Right. With that being said, I did not want anything else. Because I have completely checked out of this show. Right. There has been talk of this episode being not just the best episode of The Leftovers ever. But the greatest. But of the year, right? One of the greatest episodes of the year. Right. Did absolutely nothing for me. I am. I figured. Uninterested completely. At this point, I feel like I, my interest level in The Leftovers mirrors your interest level in our podcast fantasy league right (laughs) like you're doing the bare minimum to be there you're not you know you you, you're making sure you have eligible players on your team for that week every week but other than that it's kind of like i'm just gonna let this thing play out right so that's where i'm at so for the most part i'm gonna let you take the lead on this episode because I had a like I, I said didn't do anything for me. I had a Twitter conversation about you with one of the people who listens to this podcast, mm-hmm. and um, he was kind of saying, "I don't see how Justin could not be into this." And I, I tried to boil down my anticipation of how you would respond to this episode by saying, "I think your main complaint would be the, through another question log." On the already out of control question fire. Well, it's not even that. I I just don't even care at this point. Like, I think what it boils down to is this. This is something that we've gone back and forth on a lot. When you try to recommend something to me, like midway through that thing's lifespan, right? Mm -hmm. I, I cannot get into something halfway through a season or whatever. I just can't do it. I have to start from the beginning and work my way through. And if that beginning is bad, I will stop watching the show. Even if people are like, look, the first five episodes are bad. We know get to the sixth episode. I just can't do it. Mm -hmm. I can't do it because Mm -hmm. I will not be able to forget those first five episodes. And so I've had five, we'll say five episodes that I didn't really care for. And so I'm just like, I cannot, I just am, it's not even like, 
It's not even like active at this point. I just can't. I just am not interested. Yeah, it's interesting because we're in uncharted territories because you're absolutely right. You're the type of person who no matter how vehemently someone is recommending something, if you're not into it, you will not watch it. This is one of the first times that I've ever known you where you've been forced to push through (laughs) that initial response and to see you reacting this way. It proves to me that no one should ever force you to do anything <laughs> ever right. because this is what we all get. Uh-huh. Right. A baby digging in his heels <laughs> who just doesn't like something and isn't going to like it no matter what. Yeah. So I, I like this episode, but not for the reason most people are saying they liked it. Um, first off. He's not dead. It's not, I, I, not even for a second. Um, right. Well, did I think that Kevin sure. was right? Sure. Right. And if anything, they're 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 building up or playing into the this idea that he's chosen. Chosen. I feel like in the first season there were rumblings of Kevin being. Jesus or like a metaphor for because he's dead technically right technically he's dead but he's not dead for the series Mm -hmm. he will be brought back to life Mm -hmm. right so that's a pretty obvious metaphor. in anything Damon Lindelof writes somebody is Jesus that's (laughs) that's the key Uh to to watching any Damon Lindelof um show or film um if they really wanted to be shocking, the old man would have took the gun, shot Kevin in the head, then shot himself. That would have maybe been a little more final a point to put on it. But having the old man just poison Kevin and then shoot himself, mm-hmm. it gives them an out. And I think the out is going to be supernatural. I don't think that... um is it Michael? Mm-hmm. The, yeah. I don't think that he's going to like revive Kevin. I think Kevin's going to be brought well, back well, with I, some kind of. A theory that I heard that I thought was interesting on. Reddit? Uh, no. Oh. No, I'm staying far away from Reddit this season. Um, on the so Bill Simmons is relaunching his podcast mm-hmm. Empire, and they just had the first episode of their. I guess it's like a pop culture podcast, right? But they spent a lot of the time talking about the leftovers, and their idea. Uh, one of the guys' name is is Chris Ryan. I can't remember the other guy's name. The name of the podcast, or the at least the sort of parent company is Channel 33, mm-hmm. is that Virgil, which is the, the grandfather's name, mm-hmm. or the father's name. Or the whoever. He's the name. mystical black guy's name, right? Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, is them doing a throwaway line about how that's a racist stereotype. Does that somehow not make it a racist stereotype? <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, anyways... I think that's how it works right. in our culture sure. now. Yeah. <laughs> um he, that he is a, a very obvious if this is true metaphor or 
allusion to Virgil from Dante's Inferno, mm-hmm. who carries uh, Dante through the story. Right. So the idea is that... He escorts him. Right. He escorts him. He's his guide through hell. Mm-hmm. So the idea is that Virgil killed himself to be Kevin's escort for whatever he has to do, and Michael's actually carrying him to the back, and his, his, the whole plan is to re- revive him anyways. But then why would he spill what's in the syringe? I mean, why would he spill what's in the syringe regardless? Exa- exactly. It's such a cinematic moment. Exactly, yeah. That is so unnecessary. Right. Why would anybody... Yeah. I'm going to artistically and slowly yeah. spill what's in here. Um, I mean, you you have Virgil crossing himself before. So he kind of embarks on this with intention. He doesn't just kill himself because he's depressed or evil. I mean, he has some it's fitting some larger plan. Um now, is that plan, again, I kind of speculated that Kevin's being kept alive by some force. Is the force benevolent or is it malicious? We don't know. And what role does Kevin play in the larger story that's going on? We don't know. Mm-hmm. But he's playing some role. Apparently, Virgil obviously feels like he's on the side of God. Um, and... That did not, that that didn't escape me, the fact that Virgil could play a metaphorical and now a literal role in escorting Kevin through the afterlife, wherever mm-hmm. they're, they're at now. But that would be so stupid because it's so obvious, you know? Mm-hmm. You don't name your character Virgil and then literally play out the role of Virgil in another fictional story. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think that that's it. Um, I think it, I think it's just more subtle, like Virgil, right? There's a connection, but but nothing more. I think Virgil's gone. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, Virgil's. Dead. I think Kevin's coming back. Right. My my assumption is that the next episode. You think Virgil's going to be like now his Patty? When he comes back? No. My assumption is that the next... I, this is how I see it playing out. Leftovers gets canceled for season three. No. The, and we never... The next episode okay. opens with Kevin alive. And so you're like, what? He's well, alive, right? Did you, did you watch the next on? I did, but it was just a bunch of nothing. Well, it shows Michael out in the woods. Oh, right. And he's like... Holy bleep. <laughs> right? And we're right. supposed to be like, oh, he's a Christian. He's not supposed to be cursing. Right. Well, I mean, and what's he doing? Like, what would make him say that? Right. Kevin coming back, right? right? right. Like he didn't he didn't see two raccoons having sex right. on a stump. So my my I see it playing out as Kevin, the next episode opens with Kevin being alive and Patty from the viewer's perspective is gone. We will not see Patty again. Really? That's how I see it playing out. I hope you're right. But the rest of the show will be playing into this idea of, is she really gone? And this crazy thing we just watched, did that actually work? Or is he still crazy and just trying to cover it up to get Nora back? 
because his whole the whole stipulation was if I tell you she's gone, you have to believe me. So that's what I see the tension between them being at least for the remainder of the season. Moving forward. Okay. So, I mean, in terms of, I guess we can go backwards now. Um, and I know that you wanted to make this more about me just going off on talking about this episode. Well, no, I just don't have anything to talk about. Well, okay, because yeah, because I think we should turn it around. We should just really view it quickly through your eyes and say, what do you think when Lori comes back? Or what would what, you think? So, okay. Here are the two, here are the two notes I wrote down. And All these right. are these are literally the only two things I had I thought of while watching the show. Okay. I just and and we can go I just don't have anything to say about it. I just I mean at this point I could say, yeah, this was a really good episode. But you have no idea how much of me wants to say, but the first six were bad and I don't feel like watching this show anymore. Mm-hmm. It's like I just can't let go of those first six episodes. I just can't. Um, this is a real insight into your psychology. <laughs> So here are the two notes I had. My first note was I'm I'm interested in exploring the idea of whether or not the domesticated life that Kevin said he wants is really what he actually wants. Because there is also a moment in the first season, I think, where he's talking with his dad, right? Mm-hmm. During the flashback, mm-hmm. where he admits it's not what he wants, or right. at least his dad sort of... Uh, calls, calls him, him out, calls on, him out it. on it, mm-hmm. um, and that's something that I, I I don't think they've really explored that much. Maybe it's just not a major issue, mm-hmm. but it seems like it would be something they could. I just would like, I guess, some more clarification on it. Yeah. Um. And the only other note I had was that was again with Nora's motivation just like when they're in the episode where they're rev- in the first episode or second episode where they're revealing each other's secrets right and now Nora it's like bailed. Nora seems to be you know pretty ride or die she's got no issue with Kevin kidnapping a woman and then burying her body and calling her brother out and implicating him in that what is a crime essentially and but yet when he's like, look, I I'm I'm losing my mind and I need your help. She just is like, I'm out of here. Forget right. It. So yeah. that that's really the only two things that stuck with me. Yeah, I mean, I I agree that I thought Nora's departure was pretty. Uh, and it seems very uncharacteristic for yeah. for characters that they've shown throughout two seasons now to just like continuing to double down. At right. this point, she's like quintupling down, right? Like every single time she hits a challenge, she's just like, nope, I'm pushing forward. It just seems weird that this one thing well, is what has completely derailed her. Well, I like that they've shaken her a little bit this season. Mm-hmm. You know, when you see her dealing with a potential second departure and things like that. I I do like that. Um, And so she... She's not as stable as she appeared to be, I think, episode one. Mm-hmm. And they've done a good job of kind of exploring some of that. Um, but I think for her to make this drastic move of taking a baby and I forgot her Mary? sister, Mary. 
I, I thought it was a bit much. I either wanted to see what is her daily life like. Mm-hmm. She's looking after a baby and Mary. Mm-hmm. I could not. I couldn't do that. Right. So where is she <laughs> at doing that? Right. Um, those are not two easy beings to take care of. Um, so anyway, yeah, and I can see why she wants to come back because <laughs> right. depressed she stayed away so long. Right. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm kind of in agreement with you there. Um, what do you think? So Lori didn't connect at all in terms of what, what I, what I have to say, I do love, I love that Kevin comes back and his daughter's like, you know, fix this. I don't even really want to know what you're going through. You just need to fix it. And he's like, okay, I'll I'll fix it. And you think, all right, he's going to. And he goes and gets Lori and brings her back to the house unannounced. And he's like, that's how you decide to like fix it. Like, wouldn't you want to prep her with like, I'm bringing your mother home. Be prepared. Yeah. I mean, like what what, what did he think was going to happen if, if she was actually home when he brought Lori home, it would just made everything a million times worse. Yeah. I mean, Kevin seems Kevin is, doesn't seem to be ever acting under his own volition. He just seems to be constantly reacting to everything happening to him. Right. So it almost feels like he's just kind of on a walkway a moving walkway. He's on rails. And yeah, and he's just kind of like pulling levers to dodge things, right? But then he ends up somewhere else and he's like, okay, let me try and dodge. But he's never actually like thinking, yeah. okay, I'm going to do this because I want this outcome. Well, even even his last big action of the episode was a reaction to something that he was told earlier in the day. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I think you're right. I think it's interesting that what has he done out of his own, you know, like you said, volition and not prompted by somebody else? Mm-hmm. Um, the house they're living at was Nora, you know, her. It, it was all her decision. I guess he maybe asked them if they all wanted to move in the first place. But mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I, I think I think you have something there and it, and it makes him kind of um, maybe a more. A, a, a less sympathetic, more frustrating character to watch mm-hmm. because he doesn't seem to want to ask questions as much as just react and get get a, immediate relief based on what's presented to him. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I mean, um, I don't know why he went back to, back to Virgil. Do you... No, I mean, Lori seemed pretty confident in her own ability to explain it away. And I think as Kevin, I would have been, I would have been frustrated by that too, because she's not interested in listening to him. She's just interested in telling him. Sort of diagnosing him. Yeah. Diagnosing him being like, this is what you have. So that might send me back to Virgil. But then also, I think at some point you have to be aware of like the situation enough to be like, this doesn't feel right. You know, mm. you're going to push a needle in my heart and rest- it doesn't seem like a very good plan. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And Kevin seems to be like, let's do it. By the way, I don't want to die. Mm-hmm. Well, you could fool me, Kevin, because you're sitting on this man's floor 
after walking in on a really weird scene where Michael is clearly not happy about something, mm-hmm. and you're just like, well, whatever, mm-hmm. let's do this. Like he's he's being almost purposefully oblivious to his surroundings to mm-hmm. make the decisions that he's making. Yeah, and I'm fairly certain all that they were talking about was the grandfather was telling him, I'm going to kill myself here, and you have to do this. Oh, yeah. Right? <clears throat> but if you're walking into sure. a, to an already weird yeah. place where Virgil is having a a weird conversation with Michael, and then Michael's last words to you are like, God be with you or whatever. <laughs> I, I just I just feel like, you know, you just an a alarm bell would ring. I don't know mm-hmm. how loud it would, but I think an alarm bell would be like, uh, mm-hmm. rethink this plan. But he's so gung ho. Um, and I just I just don't know that we're supposed to believe that that uh he's he's at that kind of bottom of the rope option yet. Mm-hmm. You know? Even even though I think we're supposed to feel like this is the end of a long, arduous journey of mm-hmm. that day, I I just didn't it it didn't connect with me to be a logical progression of action. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I had a thought while watching this episode is, and I wonder how how it played out for you. Is I've always been. I'm interested since the show started in this idea of watching Kevin sort of go crazy, just losing it mentally. Yeah. I always thought that would be interesting, interesting to mm-hmm. watch. Mm-hmm. And then early on in this episode, um, in the, uh, the, the scene in the truck where he's talking to Patty and Patty starts going off about Cairo and it just turns out to be a a farce or whatever. Mm -hmm. I was, Oh, I re I was, I remembered, um, reading Mark Vonnegut's autobiography. So Kurt Vonnegut's son, Mm -hmm. um, when he was young, got really heavy into drugs, was like living in a hippie commune. And just lost his mind, just went crazy. Mm-hmm. And then somehow, years later, recovered and wrote an autobiography about it. And I thought, that sounds really interesting. Let me read this autobiography. Right. And it's not like I didn't find it that interesting because ultimately it's like you're just following a crazy person. It's like they're crazy for a reason and it doesn't. Translate. It doesn't translate, right? Because ultimately you're just watching a bunch of random things happen for no reason, right? Like there's no thought process to follow. There's no reasoning to follow. It just is. You're just, and I guess that speaks a little bit also to this idea of feeling that Kevin is just on rails. It doesn't feel like you're watching anything except for a series of reactions maybe. So. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I can, I can definitely see that. I, you, you mentioned autobiography. I want to mention something, a side note that I've, I've wanted to get this off my chest for a while. Mm-hmm. Two episodes ago, I brought it, I brought up St. Augustine and I brought up his book Confessions mm-hmm. and I think I was sick. I wasn't, my brain wasn't working right. And I meant to say that it's widely considered one of the first autobiographies mm-hmm. ever written. 
And I said it's one of the first confessions. I said the I just restated the title, <laughs> and it, I thought it would be something that I could just move past. And even uh-huh. when I said it, I was like, "What did I just say?" But I was like, "I'll just keep plugging on." Right. And for two weeks, it is just nagged at me. Well, there you go. Oh gosh, it feels so good. So, I I agree with you know watching Kevin going crazy. So, so I mean. Your argument is basically, it's not compelling television, watching him wear the same shirt, getting sweaty every single episode. I mean, I, I like the episode. It just, it was not, it didn't deliver in the way I thought it would. Okay. And that's 100% on my expectations of it. I think the show was fine, right? It's not, I, I just, I, it's not that they didn't deliver on the promise. I think it's in undeliverable promise that for I have unreasonable expectations for. Right. I think I think that's true. I think any podcast that we do about TV show should be called um <laughs> unreasonable expectations. unreasonable expectations. <laughs> uh and then just colon and then whatever show it is. But uh you know, I I don't understand the 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 tenor of conversation and not just everyone blames the internet but there's a lot of legitimate writing and I have not been reading a lot of the legitimate writing as much this season as I did in the previous season but the tenor just seems to be like spinal tap like up to 11 you know Mm -hmm. and you know people who are just saying like I watched it early and this episode will make you you know, like throw something at your TV. That's what um, uh, the the guy who used to write for Vox, you know, tweeted. And it's mm-hmm. like, I, I don't know. I, I've never been that passionate about the leftovers. To me, it's always been like a cerebral experience more mm-hmm. than anything else. I mean, I don't watch it to get any kind of like thrill. I kind of, especially in this season, have been engaging it for the kind of theology of the show that I find interesting mm-hmm. and trying to engage it on that level. But um, nothing, nothing in terms of the narrative have I ever gotten that worked up about. Yeah. You know, even Kevin dying, like, you know, I, I got more worked up about, you know, Ned Stark dying in game of Thrones. Um, then if, if Kevin's dead, I'd be like, okay, mm-hmm. the show would, keep going and I'd I'd still be as invested as I've ever been. Right. I'm not tied to the characters. I'm I'm more tied to the story. And I guess you are feeling untethered from anything. Exactly. (laughs) I'm completely uncommitted to the show at all. And so much so that I watched it probably it's nine forty five. I watched it about six hours ago. And and I'll say this. This was my most disappointing thing about the episode. Is that I have an Xbox One. Mm-hmm. You cannot snap the HBO app. I wanted to play Destiny <laughs> and have the leftovers playing on the side. And it forced you to watch. And I was forced to watch it full screen. So I just did some data entry while it was on. So I was not... I mean, I was paying attention, but mm-hmm. I've like, I mean, H, 
it, that that to me is like that is an old 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 company train of thought, right? Like force them to watch this. Exactly. Like you were in the new world screen. HBO. Your your decision making for all this technology stuff, your answer just needs to be yes. You're not the oh, center I can do of the this? universe. Okay, let's do it, right? right? Because because nobody is thanking the stars that they cannot snap their HBO app on their <laughs> Xbox One, right? No one is saying, "Oh, I'm I appreciate that there is saving the integrity of the, of this format." Right. No, just let me do it, right? Like it just <laughs> makes you it just makes your company look behind. It just makes you look like inept. You're sounding more like a baby every <laughs> every episode. Right. We're just gonna the final episode is just gonna be you. Just, All right. Well, I'll tone it. I mean, I can watch Netflix snapped. I can't do with HBO. Okay. So <laughs> the 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 last thing that I want to maybe end on is just again kind of pointing out to me what this one of the central themes and ideas of this season for me has been this idea of earning your redemption or earning your, we maybe could say salvation, but you have everyone from Virgil um, to Kevin who are actively trying to take a, a drastic act to make up for this for sins of the past or mm-hmm. to get off a sin of the of the present you know so kevin's being haunted by something that he feels responsible for and so mm-hmm. i mean he kidnapped patty you know right um and in order to get rid of her he he will not accept the fact that he is just losing his mind and just needs to accept just accept medication you know what would happen if he just accepted medication? He's mm-hmm. not even willing to try that because he feels like this is a real affliction and he needs to do certain things to get it off, mm-hmm. to get away from him. And Virgil crosses himself before he shoots himself. Virgil obviously feels like he's in service of a of a higher power, mm-hmm. of a greater power. And he kind of hints at that in everything that he talks about. And of course, Michael is in service to the same power. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think in all these characters, they're, they're unwilling of accepting the opportunities that are presented to them and more interested in creating their own ways of solution, you know, finding their own way through it. Mm-hmm. And it, and it doesn't need to be that way. There should be another way around this. Um, now that is speculation on my part, because we're going to find out, I think by the end of this whole show, the forces that are truly at work on the world in this story, right? Like there's some kind of, you think there'll be a, a definitive answer on that? I don't, I don't think that they're interested in delivering answers, but I think whether it's thematically or whether it is a, a, an, an answer that we will get some kind of story resolution. And it may not be as clear as lost where you literally have dark fighting lightness, right? You have this cosmic battle of 
God and Satan or whatever else you want to say that's being played out on this island. Mm -hmm. And then you have it in these two characters at the end who are literally like, I'm the bad guy and I'm the good for, you know, good, not good and bad guy, but good force, Mm -hmm. bad force. Um, but yeah, there's some, there's something at play that's, that's motivating these characters actions. I don't believe that we are meant to see them as operating in a, natural world just responding to their natural kind of um you know uh, uh impulses and surroundings right mm-hmm. like there's a supernatural force at work in this story universe do you agree with that uh i guess i have to yeah so again this is this is where i go into speculation but i don't I think the answer is pretty clear that there's supernatural elements to what's going on mm-hmm. in, in, in these characters in the town or whatever. For example, all of the water draining out of the lake. Exactly. Like, that is not a, ch- a chance happening mm-hmm. that's not tied to Kevin throwing himself in. That's, it's stupid, you know? Mm-hmm. Um. And some of the other smaller little directions where you can see Kevin being led to certain conclusions. And it could be stuff like showing up to get the um, handcuff cut off. And he just so happens to go to John. And John just so happens on that moment to be taking palm prints. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's really heavy handed that he would think, oh, I'm going to go to the fire station. Oh, my goodness. They're doing palm prints. And then. Right that moment, John walks out and catches him. You know, you could say like, oh, yeah, all that is just coincidence. Or you could say like, no, that's some force that's putting him into a place where he feels like the only decision he can make is to go to virtual at the at the end of the day. Or you could say it's kind of lazy story. Or <laughs> you could just say, but I right now want to trust that this story is being crafted with care. And the care does go down to motivations of the characters because that's a big question that they're asking, you know, who are these characters in service of, who are they in service to, right? That's the question you can ask of Virgil. That's a question you can ask of Michael. Mm -hmm. That's a question you can ask of literally every character that, especially the Garveys have bumped into, Mm -hmm. who are they in service to? So like Tommy as well, where's where's tommy who is he in service to i think we both agree he's with Liv tyler mm-hmm. he's joined the guilty remnant and we can also uh or i just want to acknowledge that what's her lori does admit that the story they made up is made up oh uh, yeah right uh, although so you didn't jump on Reddit one last time just to say, ha. Right. No, I want to, but <laughs> I'm not going to. But she also did leave the door open by, I feel like, hinting that Tommy now believes the story is true. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. But it's made up, and she said as much. Right. And if you watch the first season... You saw as much because the scene that he lies about in his story 
is literally in the first season. I went back and watched it. Mm-hmm. So, so anyway, I mean that's that, that that that's kind of my my final take on things is that I think for me it's still kind of asking those theological questions that I find interesting and for 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 me it's still connecting me to the larger story um and I think we are again this is my prediction is that we are going to go more uh unexplained events happening moving forward than less mm-hmm. I think I think I'm surprised that some people I think view Kevin's death as like the, there it is like it's all been it's not magic right it's not supernatural it's mm-hmm. there, you know he was crazy and there's nothing going on well I've also heard the theory that Kevin's death is John's roundabout way of getting back at him because his palm print I think I saw that so he was using the Virgil Virgil to and he was sort of propositioning Virgil to arrange this right to to make up for his molesting Michael basically but that to me seems just like uh, it's just is not interesting that just is not a I just don't see that as a compelling resolution or even sort of motivation. It just is not very, that just doesn't seem very interesting to me. Well, not not only, it just sounds like a soap opera. Yeah. Yeah. I I could see, I think what people are probably reading into is the look that John gives Kevin after he leaves the fire station. Mm -hmm. There's just this knowing kind of meaning look that he gives him. Mm -hmm. And again, I just took that as like a cinematic, you know, overly cinematic shot that doesn't really belong in the real world, like mm-hmm. sp- slowly spraying out what's in the syringe. Well, not only that, all of Virgil's crazy stuff with Kevin started before he had even met John Murphy because Virgil approaches Kevin when they first get right. into the visitor center and is like, right. whatever, I can help I you. I can help you. Whatever with he your, says, yeah. Yeah, with, with, with your thing. So. So yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't see, I don't see this death as like a, like a bullet in this idea of the supernatural. I, I think the show's gonna actually go more into the unexplained supernatural elements of the story and not less. And I think it's gonna start with Kevin resurrecting or, you know, not, not being dead, mm-hmm. basically. Right. Something it's, else intervening. It's a true detective death, right? Right, right. I mean, look, until you cut off a character's head, (laughs) right? Until Virgil takes the gun (laughs) and shoots Kevin in the head and then shoots himself. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, to me, it's lazy, right? It's, it's always going to come off as like, oh, wow, what a cliff. It's not a cliffhanger. Right. You, you just assume that they're alive until the next episode when they buried Kevin and then you go, uh, okay, I guess right. he's dead, exactly. right? Yeah. yeah, exactly. If if Virgil wanted to kill Kevin, he would have he, just shot him in the head. Exactly. And then shot himself. Exactly. Yeah. Like, you, you can't have a loaded gun that's not used on the person you assume to be dead and be like, oh, they're dead. <laughs> and then, you know, it's it's just like Game of Thrones, no spoilers, but the person who you think is dead 
is not dead. Mm-hmm. They're not dead. And mm-hmm. watch next season. They're going to be fine. And they pushed it to the edge of like, how could anyone survive that? Well, guess what? They survived it because you didn't see them die. Well, right. Especially in Game of Thrones. Like, you know, someone's head has to be cut off. Right. Somebody's, somebody has to choke on poison <laughs> and their tongue needs to like shoot out of their mouth or be, or their eyes need to be pushed through the back of their head. Uh-huh. All right. Well, that is our uh, podcast on The Leftovers. Uh, you can follow... Me, Justin Blizzard on Twitter. I'm at Blizzard with nine Z's. I'm at Things Come Right. You can get any more information about our show from the show notes or from our website, eipodcast.com. Um, and until, no, not until. And we'll see you next week. <laughs> <laughs>